Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. I'm Craig. And this week, we are just a blessed bunch. Yes. We get to interview the wonderful Diane Shaw, and she's here with us right now. Her face, I'm gazing upon yes. her. <laughs> Say hello. Hello. Hey, Welcome, it's Diane. Diane. Thanks, Thank guys. you so much for being here. Really excited to have you on. Uh, and I thought, you know, to help people, you know, I think most people in our church at least have heard of you. A lot of uh, the people in our church know you. But you know, a lot of people don't really know a lot about you. So I thought a good question would be this. If you could live a day in the life of any undomesticated animal, what animal oh life my. would you choose? Oh my, that's Everyone asks what kind of animal is your favorite, yeah, but no one, I, no one asks I'm the question. I'm not an animal person. I mean, that would not, you're not asking me a question of something I long for. But, but if you had to live as an animal, what would you choose? She loves kids. That's, she's on here for yeah, kids, not yeah. for not for pet adoption. Oh, that's she's true. on here for human adoption. <laughs> I'm just saying. Come, okay, uh, should I pick a different question? <laughs> yeah, you negative maybe. people. Uh, your favorite kind of cake. Oh, nice. Mm. Oh, is that more up your alley? Okay. Yeah, that's a little more up my alley. <laughs> uh, probably like a chocolate eclair kind of cake. There you Ooh. go. There that's a go. good choice. Yeah, it's delicious. Actually, that's a great question for you, Craig. Yes. What's your favorite kind of cake? Anything with peanut butter and chocolate. Really? Yeah, that's, that's what I like. So a really cake good. that would combine those two would be uh, rather dreamy for mm. me. Yeah, that's good. Mine would probably be German chocolate. There you go. The coconut that's my wife's, mm. yes. Delicious. Or red velvet. That's good. So anyways, well, thanks again for being here, Diane. Super sure. excited that you're here to uh, kind of share your a little bit of your story with us. And uh, this is just kind of on the tail end of Orphan Sunday, uh, which we just kind of had a Sunday celebrating that and thinking on, um, you know, the, the great need of orphans and, and foster children. And um, just there's a huge area uh, area of need here, um, really everywhere. Um, and so we thought it might be a good chance for us to discuss this, especially as it pertains to our church and, and the things that we're involved in in our church and how, um, you know, what opportunities we have. Uh, and then we wanted to hear from Diane. Um, but first I wanted to ask Craig this. Um, well, I mean, I guess we should state Diane, you were recently installed as a deacon, kind of just helping us yeah. uh, care more for orphans and taking the lead in foster care ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's specifically why we have you here, because, um, you know, we're looking to you for um, a lot of leadership in that area. And so thankful for everything you've done already. That's right. Um, and so, Craig, I wanted to ask you this. You know, most churches, when they're when they're thinking in terms of, of areas of ministry, areas of expansion, areas of... Um, you know, if they're going to install deacons to do something specific, they might do something, they might prioritize communications or social media management, or uh, they might prioritize, you know, leadership or executive leadership within the church. Um, yet we've recently taken the step of installing a handful of deacons uh, whose responsibilities include mercy and benevolence, uh, as well as Diane here, who is caring for orphans and foster care. Right. So, you know, what's the story behind how our church came to a place of prioritizing orphans? Well, uh, thanks, Jared. That's a that's a great question. And uh, I just echo Jared. Thanks for being here, Diane, sure. and for all that uh, you have done uh, for our church. Um, I think it's been a journey for our church uh, in a number of ways. I mean, I think uh, ultimately uh, our heart for uh, adoption uh, and orphan care in general, it, it stems from our understanding of God. 
um, and that it stems from our own understanding of our salvation, that, that God the Father adopts us. So yeah. last week on the podcast, we talked about justification and sanctification and the difference between the two of them and the importance of our justification that we're declared right before God, uh, the judge, because of what Christ has done for us. But there's this, uh, not but, and there's this other picture of salvation, which is our adoption and uh, that God adopts us. Think about 1 John 3, 1 in the NIV. It says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we mm-hmm. should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So there the, the, uh, the Apostle John is just uh, relishing this wonderful truth that we've been brought into relationship yeah. with the Father, that he adopts us into his family. So through justification, he declares us righteous, which is wonderful, um, and through adoption, which is a different picture. It's a, it's the warm picture of family that he brings us into his, uh, into his family, and so it's so it's such a rich, uh, you know, a rich doctrine that we want to grow in our understanding of adoption. Yeah. Um, and it's not just that God has adopted us, but that He's called us to uh, share His heart. Uh, for those who are in, who are, those who are need, in need, the defenseless, those mm. who can't speak up for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a pastoral team, uh, we're currently reading the book <laughs> Generous Justice by Tim Keller, uh, which I haven't read at all, but so far I'm thoroughly enjoying. And in that book, he quotes from uh, Psalm 146, which says, God executes justice for the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. He lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves those who live justly. The Lord watches over the immigrant and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Hmm. And uh, in there, Keller kind of makes this quote about that passage where he says, God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power, and so should we. That is what it means to do justice. That verse out of Micah, he's talking about in Micah, what does it mean to love mercy and to do justice? And he says that it's basically to defend those with the least economic and social power. So that would certainly include groups like the the widow, the immigrant. That would include numbers of folks. But uh, in Psalm 146, it clearly includes the uh, the orphan mm. who doesn't have a voice, who doesn't have power, who right. can't navigate, like who needs someone to step in uh, for him or for her to yeah. provide care. So, you know, uh, the biblical answer is God is a father who adopts us into his family. And then once we're in his family, he gives us his heart to have a heart for uh, those who are uh, needy. But that certainly includes uh, the orphan and the widow. So that's a that's kind of a value, you know, for us. And we're trying to grow in that area. Um, I think in our church, uh, you know, I think back to I first met a guy named Gary Schneider in about 2007 or 2008. He leads a ministry called Every Orphan's Hope. Okay. So we met him, became friends with him. He lives here in Frisco. And some of our folks went to minister to orphans in Zambia, Mm. uh, where they do ministry. And then in 2009, we were teaching through James. And in James 1, there's a passage about, uh, you know, real religion, undefiled religion, true religion. He's caring for widows and orphans in their distress. And we had him speak addressing uh, orphan care and stuff in 2009. So that was kind of where our church publicly first started talking about orphan care. Yeah. And we did a number of, uh, we jumped on and did Orphan Sunday a few years after that. And uh, often we were talking about orphan care in other places where there's tremendous need uh, for kids who maybe have parents have died through the AIDS epidemic like mm. in Africa. 
Um, but then after a while, we began to, I would say through Fred and Diane, through others as well, but through Fred and Diane Shaw, uh, we began to become more aware of the need locally mm. without minimizing the need of AIDS orphans. I, we don't minimize sure, that at all. Yeah. But we began to see, okay, there's needs locally as well. And maybe that transitions into why Diane is here. So in, the, in our church's history, while it started three, four years into the life of the church, um, with talking about this publicly and doing Orphan Sunday. It really was uh, through their uh, journey that mm. we as a church became more aware and became to partner with some organizations trying to care for uh, kids uh, locally. Mm. Oh, that's really helpful to know. And, um, you know, theologically, it's important to to realize that, you know, there's a biblical foundation for this. It's not just uh, some, you know, human ethic or something, right, but right. we find this, you know, the basis for orphan care and and uh, adoption in, in the Bible, which is really beautiful. Uh, just a picture of, you know, what God has done for us. Um, before I jump in with you, Diane, I, I, <laughs> you might be hearing in, in, you know, on this podcast so far that there might be some music coming from another room <laughs> that we're recording by. <laughs> so this is your way of, of, you know, hey, in case you didn't know, uh, other churches use our facility uh, on Sunday nights and throughout the week and whatnot. So this is, you know, you're just seeing a picture of, you know, uh, just our partnership with there other, you go. other churches. There you go. Or you're hearing, right. you're hearing it. So anyway, so keep that in mind. Uh, you might hear some other weird things, I guess. I can't predict it. No, there you go. <laughs> cool. Well, let's jump in with you, Diane. So uh, again, just thank you for being here. Um, I think you're going to be really helpful in this conversation. Um, but let me just start by asking you this, you know, we talked about the fact that you were just recently installed as the deacon overseeing orphan care. Um, and then on Sunday, you shared a little bit about what's going on as far as this ministry goes. Right. Um, but I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey and how uh, you personally have grown to have a heart for this particular need. Uh, well, for us as a couple, we had talked about adoption several different times in our marriage, mm -hmm. but we viewed adoption as a way to grow our family, mm -hmm. um, not so much meeting a need or um, rescuing somebody, but more as we wanted a lot of children. We had both agreed we wanted at least six, and um, after our fourth, we were told we couldn't have any more, so we talked about adoption several different times, and each time there was just in our minds a reason not to go for it. Mm. And then we it was out of our minds and gone, and we were content with our four, and they grew up. Um, so in 2010, we went to a, a conference with young families from our church who wanted to foster or adopt. And we went thinking, let's go and be a support. These young mm. families are mm. gonna take in kids, they're gonna need things. So, right. And one of them was our oldest daughter. And so we thought, let's go and learn in our later season of life, we were just in our early 50s, just turning 50. Let's go and see what we could do to serve these young couples. Uh, so, but at that conference, our world got turned upside down. Mm. The whole conference was on how the church needed to rise up and do this. Mm. It wasn't a, a conference where they guilted you into adopting children. They didn't flash pictures of you know children on the board and tell you their story or they just the whole conference was that the church needed to do it wow and so that really affected us because we've always been very involved in our local church and um we just started to realize yeah the government this isn't the government's job this is mm -hmm. the church's job to care for children That's good. Yeah. and so that was the first day or so so we were really excited uh about that and then um separately the lord spoke to me and fred individually that and and we we say that we don't use that term often, but I felt in my heart, I think we're supposed to adopt a teen. Now, wow. I also have really strong emotions, 
positively or negatively. (laughs) (laughs) And so I know not to just trust that, you know, so I didn't say anything because I'm thinking, well, we're at a conference and I'm very maternal. And so of course that's how I feel. And, but we're going to go home to our almost empty nest and those feelings are going to go away. Mm. Uh, But the last, the last worship session of that conference, Fred leaned over to me and he said, I don't want you to freak out. but I think we're supposed to adopt a teen. And I just, you know, if you know my husband, I mean, my emotional, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to say, tape measure is really long from happy to really sad, and his is about an inch. (laughs) Steady (laughs) Freddy. Yeah, from grief to (laughs) elation is not a whole lot of change. And so it just was one of those things like, this this isn't an emotional response. I know he doesn't Mm -hmm. give emotional responses. And I knew then our life was going to be different. So we came home and like two weeks later, jumped in for our training hmm. wow. and went from the, from the beginning saying we wanted a teen. And, um, and so usually if you want a teen, you get placed really quickly. There's a lot of teens mm-hmm. waiting. And f- for us, it was just ironic. We um, submitted our home study on 27 children in the state of Texas and never once got a call from a caseworker. Hmm. Wow. And so our agency just encouraged us that, you know, God's got the right kid. You just wait. And I kept asking like, is there something wrong with us? And no, no. And, and then we did respite care for um, a boy and a girl. And we knew, we were told we'd have them for a week and we would be able to make the decision over the week if we wanted to adopt them. And the first night we went to bed and Fred said, those are our kids. Oh. And so we knew then hmm. that that was what we were going to do. Wow, so. it's beautiful. It's really amazing. So it's it's just crazy hearing your story of how quickly it changed. Um, you know, it wasn't even a thing in your mind, and then you go to this conference, and just everything's different. And a week later, you're yeah. jumping into the process. That's pretty wild. I, I think there's probably a lot of people in our church who who probably do feel a sense of, um, you know, I want to be involved, but I can't possibly see myself. You know, it, it can't possibly be me mm-hmm. adopting. Um, I wonder if you have anything to say to that person who, I mean, cause you probably would relate to just saying like, I don't see that as being me. I can support, but it's probably not right. me. But do you have any encouragement for people not to try and convince them that no, you should adopt, but just to maybe to help some openness and, and to be a little less freaked out about the possibility of that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd say I never want to convince someone to adopt or, or to foster, um, it's really hard. It's really different than mm. parenting. Um, but I think as believers, we should be asking the Lord, should we? And the answer for most people is going to be no. Hmm. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And it's right. not who's better or who's got a more stable family or right, not. Right, right. It's just the Lord sets the lonely in families. He sets them there. They're already picked. So it's just asking the Lord. Everyone is called to do something for orphans. James doesn't exclude anybody. Right. But yeah. what we do is going to be different. And so I think we have to regularly ask, what's my role? And it may be uh, as simple as setting aside once a week to pray. And it may be giving financially. And it may be visiting or being a CASA worker or a caseworker or helping a neighbor who's fostering. But one day you may be praying and the Lord may say, "It's you need to open your home. Hmm. Um We've opened our home. We did a little bit of foster after we had Dustin and Bree in our home. They weren't able to, there was really unusual circumstances and they had to go back into care for a while and we had some other kids. We just knew they weren't ours. Mm -hmm. Um, I was fearful 
that we'd get placed with someone that we couldn't love or it didn't work, and, and sometimes that does happen. But I think for the most part, um, you don't have to fear that because yeah. our God is big, and yeah. even right. our biological children can be difficult. Yeah, right. You know, so um, does that answer your oh, question? Oh, for sure. That's super helpful. Um, definitely hearing you weigh in on that. Super. Yeah, that's just very helpful. Um, let me ask you this. You know, Craig was talking a little bit about our church's history with this area of ministry, um, but I'd be curious just hearing from you as um, you know the person that's kind of you know spearheading everything in this area. Um, in what ways are you seeing in our church um, you know growth towards this, and in what ways are you encouraged by what you're seeing in our congregation towards ministering to orphans and foster children? Um, well, I, I mean. I'm floored at, at the support we have from our pastoral team um, because that's where I think it has to come from. Again, mm. I think it's the church's job. And so that doesn't mean some couple in the church just spearheads something and right. now, it, you know, it has to come yeah. from the top down yeah. as a vision. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that unfold. It's been unfolding and I think it's unfolding more and more. Um, and so for me, it's particularly exciting because this is, again, this is a new passion for me. I mean, it's mm. eight years old. Right. Um, there's other things I've been passionate about my whole adult life. And usually my church has provided an outlet for that. This is the first time where I felt something. And I, you know, not that I didn't feel my church support because we actually felt it tremendously. But I felt like, um, here's my passion and sure, go ahead with it. Now I feel very different. Now I feel mm. like it's their vision and passion and I get to come and support that. Mm. Um, and it's kind of a developing picture. Yeah. We've grown. It's not like one day. We all, I would say the church overall didn't have exactly the same probably experience you did at the conference. We've been yeah. growing. So maybe a light went on for her, for right. you, Diane. Yes. Maybe a light went like a light switch went on for you and Fred. Mm. I think for us as a church, or at least for the elders in many ways, um, as a ministry priority, it's been more like the analogy of a dimmer. Mm. You know, a dimmer light, the yeah, light switch. Yeah. We didn't have our moment, but we've had an increasing moment as we looked yes. at scripture, as we've, uh, you know, for me, some of it's just come straight through the James passage, teaching through James. But as a, uh, and coming to that passage, going, yeah, what do you do with it? What is God saying to us? Um, and studying the theme of adoption as well, theologically, has yeah. uh, affected my heart for children in the same way. But I think, uh, I think it's been something that we've warmed to. And then we've had folks who are, do carry a passion and uh, have been willing to serve in that area. So it's been great to see as we've grown and learned as a pastoral team, appreciate your comments saying, but it's been great to see the practical application take place in your family and with so many others uh, who are um, not only personally adopting, um, but also learning the system, we could say. Mm, you know, right, there is a yeah. system. This is, it's, uh, uh, you know, learning how to navigate um, the, the process uh, in, in the sermon. Um, Jason joked about paperwork and made a yeah, joke about yeah. paperwork if you want to adopt, which everybody got, even if you haven't adopted, you kind of got that. Right. But yeah. uh, but th that was a comment along. You don't just decide and, oh, here it is. It is a process. And you guys have walked through that and others have. And so that's been really helpful to see people learn and grow and get in, uh, uh, so that they could in turn not only participate themselves, but they could help others as well. So. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good. Um, you know, I would be, uh, I would regret it a little bit if I didn't ask a little bit more, uh, just personally, Diane, uh, you know, what was the process like for you, uh, you and Fred adopting Bree, you know, cause you guys, you guys came to that, put you were at the conference, 
um, and you you had this you know that that moment where you're just like oh my goodness we're we're called to do this um, you know was was Bree one of the two that was in the home at that time when you guys went to bed and said these yeah. are the ones and so how much how how much time was there between you know one, that evening and mm. when the adoption finally yeah. happened. Well, for us, it's a really unusual story. Mm-hmm. Um, so she came into our home seven years ago uh, for a week, like I said, and, and we thought we'd have the option to keep her and Dustin, her brother. Um, but there were other siblings, and we were not offered those other siblings in the beginning. We were mm-hmm. just offered these two. The siblings were being broken up by request of the kids. Uh, but CPS decided they thought it was best to keep them together. So the kids were in our home and the decision was made. So we called CPS, said we want to keep them. They said, great, don't tell the kids yet. Three days later, CPS called and said, we've changed our minds. We're going to pick mm. up the kids on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. So mm. um, that began a real faith walk. Because, I mean, sure. when a family says, I want to adopt these kids and parental rights are terminated, CPS is saying, sure, how soon? You know, usually. Sure. So mm. that began um, another three years, I believe, um, of us continuing to build our relationship with the kids as we fought to get them. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it just was a it, very unusual situation. It just doesn't usually go this way. I just feel like the Lord just had some other things that we'll, we won't know till we get to heaven. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. we were able to maintain our relationship with the kids and saw them at least once a month. And um, Dustin played sports, so we went down every week for his games, and we did birthdays and holidays, and we just made them a part of our family as much as we could. And we we came to a place where we just had to say, this is all the Lord's given us. But we did we no longer wanted to adopt anybody else. We just felt like this is where we're supposed to pour ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, by this point, our kids are all out of the house, so it's just Fred and I, and so it was it was a joy to go be. They lived about an hour away, and so to go be with them and. Um, you know, one of the hardest things was we would do weekend visits. Fred would go down on Friday night and pick them up. And due to traffic, it was often a four-hour trip. And then wow. Sunday, we would take them back to the children's home where they lived. So basically, it's an orphanage. People say there's no orphanages. Mm. They call them children's mm. homes. They're all over North Texas. Wow. We have them. Um, and so you could just see as you would leave, you know, Frisco, going down to Waxahachie, the demeanor of the children changed. And by the time we got back to the children's home, they weren't talking. Mm. They weren't, they would just, they didn't, they wouldn't hug us at that point. They would just get Mm. out of the car, walk in their house, walk to their room. They didn't say goodbye. It was Mm. like, oh, we have to go back. Now the children's home, they were loved by some people there. Mm. There were some really great people. But Dustin said to me, every one of them was paid to love me. You guys are the only people that have never been paid to love me. So you saw that. Um, So that was just part of our journey. And we just had to finally get to that place. And then fast forward a couple of years and our our Dustin, unfortunately, um, aged. Well, he didn't. He was aging out, but he chose to run away from the children's home. He could have stayed in foster care. And um, and he's really not doing well and that really put the fire under us that we had to rescue Bree whatever it was going to mm-hmm. take so at that point we just went into whatever and so we went to CPS and said we'll take all the kids we'll do whatever you say uh, I can honestly say I didn't have faith to take all the kids mm. but I just didn't know what else to do I right. we felt so sure and, and we would have like obscure teachings on something 
at church and some scripture would hit me a totally different way. And I just began in the back mm. of my Bible to write these scriptures, all confirming what I thought the Lord had told me a long time ago, that Bria was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kept a log going of them. And, you know, I'd cry out to the Lord, like, I, she's wasting away in this children's mm. home. And so uh, when she was um, 16, we made the offer to take her her sister, who's nine months younger, and her brother, who's a year younger than that. So they were 14, 15, 16. And we said we'd adopt them all. And all three said no in the beginning. Mm. And then, um, which their story is that they were adopted. They were in care as small children and adopted and abused. So that the idea of parents was very scary to them. Oh. And change was very scary. They knew where they were now. They were safe, mm-hmm. even though they knew it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few months, we just kept our visits up, and a few months later, Bree was with us one weekend, and she just said, "I know the Lord wants me to say yes, and I'm scared to death, and it means I have to leave my siblings because they're saying no, but I'm coming." Wow! Mm-hmm. So that was in September, and we had her finish out her semester, which was the longest three months of the whole four-year <laughs> process, uh, as we waited for her to come home. Wow! Uh, wow! That's so, an amazing story. Sure is, and. I just appreciate how honest you're being because yeah, I, I think you. maybe a lot of people think that one, um, people who are involved with this kind of ministry are just trying to, you know, fix a problem and they have maybe a, maybe a fanciful idea of just saying like, hey, you mm-hmm. should you should adopt. It's totally awesome and it's you know maybe that that Christianese everything's perfect kind of kind of face that sometimes view. yeah romanticizing it. Um, it so, so you're you're not romanticizing it at all. No. But two, you personally are the you have taken the steps. You've involved yourself uh, in that, and and you and Fred have taken the plunge into uh, what is many times a messy kind right. of process, mm-hmm. and and kind of led as an example in that way. And I think that's encouraging for people to hear that you know yeah. when you stand up there on the stage and you're saying, hey, adoption is really important. You're not just someone who's saying it's something for other people to do, mm-hmm. but you're leading by example and saying it's something that we yeah. need to do. Yeah. And I think that's that's huge. I mean, that impacts me. I know it impacts so many other people in our church and so many other um, you know families that are considering this area of ministry for themselves personally. Um, but I, I'm just wondering, you know, what what kind of next steps are there for people in our church who maybe are thinking, you know, this testimony impacts me, this call to minister in this area, maybe through my finances or prayer or or maybe for adoption itself, maybe I do need to take that step or, or start considering that. You know, what are next steps for people People in our church to get involved, uh, maybe in assisting, you know, just in this area of ministry, whether financially or not, but or or next steps for even doing it, you know, sure. adopting. What are what are some next steps you can uh, give? Well, if someone wants to adopt, we um, I'd be happy to talk to them. There's lots of agencies in the DFW mm-hmm. area. The training is free. Adoption through foster care. Um, you have a legal fee of about twelve hundred dollars. That's usually fully reimbursed. Um, kids in foster care, if they're over the age of four or have special needs or are a minority, come with an, what's called an adoption assistance. So while you're fostering, you get um, foster care funds for them. It's you know, it, it's plenty to raise a child on. Mm. Um, and then when the adoption's final, for a lot of those kids, you continue to get a stipend. Um, kids from foster care in Texas get free college mm. and free uh, medical care till they're 21. So. Financially, if you're going through foster care, there's not really a cost. Mm. Now, 
yes, you have to provide bedding and you have to provide, you know, there's 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 an upfront cost. But the church can come around someone and help with those things, right? for us, they did. The church had a shower for us. They provided furniture. And we could have afforded to pay those things. Mm. But it was important later, as I looked back, to be able to say to Bria, we chose not to have her at the shower, um, but to show her later, this is what the church did. Mm. So it wasn't mom and dad who she knew loved her, but really from the get-go, she felt really loved by this church. Mm. Wow. And she was a kid from a really hard place. So she did not fit in with most of the teens sure. at our church. Mm. She didn't dress like them. And that sure. was a really hard one as parents to, I wasn't going to jump on that bandwagon. Sure. So we laugh so hard now over what she came to church in sure. and how people loved her and accepted her in spite of that. Right. And, um, and just how we had to swallow our pride. You know, we would have said before, no girl of ours will go to church dressed like that. Well, <laughs> you know, that wasn't top priority. There was just right. other things. So, wow. um, so there's, you know, for finances, for foster adoption through foster care, you don't, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, private adoption is more, but if you want to adopt or foster, you just go through the basic training through any agency and they will license you. Um, and and you can pick ages. Obviously, most people want a baby. Um, so um, I know sometimes pe- caseworkers will discourage you if you come to a training class and say, well, if you want a baby, you may as well forget it and blah, blah, blah. Well, I have lots of friends right. who have gotten a baby that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, everybody wants them, but God is sovereign and God places the lonely in families. Right. So mm-hmm. he sets them there. So again, we can rest that if your baby's in foster care, you're gonna get your baby. So mm-hmm. um, so I can talk to people about different agencies. They're all similar in a lot of ways. There's state regulations of things they have to do um, and you can start there. So that's if you want to adopt or foster. If you just wanna help, there's a million ways. I mean, we. The door is wide open for our church on things we want to do. The reason we're not doing them is manpower. I just don't have bandwidth to add more. But we're involved in Second Story, which is matching um, hard-to-place kids with families. That's been incredibly successful. And these are kids that have been in the system a long time, waiting a long time, and we're having a very high success rate of finding them families. Oh, that's excellent. So people can volunteer with that. We are partnering with Zoe's Place. So you can, those are kids who are now young adults. So if you're, well, I'm not really into kids, but I love college kids. Well, here you go. There's a whole slew of them over in Denton that need all sorts of things. Yeah. what else? We do things with Embrace Texas. So like we sponsored a um, seminar for, it was for mostly adoptive parents who have a special needs child where that child will never be independent. So how to life plan for them doing trusts and handling medical care and social security and all that. So we we partnered with Embrace and hosted that event. So Mm. we'd love to host more and more. If we have manpower to basically just come up to the church and get it ready. Yeah. We can mm-hmm. serve a lot of foster families. One thing that Embraces would really love for our church to do is a respite night mm. where we have a night where we babysit all the foster mm. kids and provide mom and dad a date because mm. um, a lot of these kids, you know, they, they just are healing from a lot of trauma. So mm. it's difficult for them when mm-hmm. their foster parents go out for the night. So one babysitter doesn't quite work, but when you have a bunch of kids and make it fun, yeah. the, the child does okay. Yeah. yeah, it's an event. They get to go to a party while yeah. mom and dad run over oh, and fun. get a pizza. And so there's lots of things we can do. Yeah. And if they go on the website, they can put their name and information on there. And so as things come up, they could get an email saying, hey, who wants to volunteer? 
So you're talking about the Grace Church the website. The Grace Church a, yeah. website, okay. yeah. So, I mean, and you can go on Embrace Texas, too, and, and mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things, you know. Yeah. So, um, Also, Diane, isn't there a um, an event coming up? Now, this isn't for those. This is a little different than your question, Jared. But for those who are already involved um, in foster or adoption, um, isn't there a an event in February to just support those? So we're trying to also provide right. ongoing uh, encouragement, not just getting you up to the to the starting line, but then uh, hopefully uh, the church can be a blessing to those who uh, are fostering or right. have adopted. So talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's February, I think, 16th or something? Yeah, February 16th, we want to have a breakfast for any um, adoptive or um, foster parents or anyone who's in the shoot for that. Okay. We'll provide childcare, we'll provide be- breakfast. We just want to see what the needs are. We want to yeah. hear from you. What are your needs? How can we help? Um, Where are your kids at? Some adoptive kids are going to have issues. Some are not going to have issues. You know, but I love it when, like, I was in the church foyer with another adoptive mom, not from our church. She's never met any of my kids. And she, Brianna, came up to me, and I introduced her, didn't identify her as my adopted child. She walked away, and the woman said to me, I can tell that was your adopted daughter. Mm. And I said, how? And she, in detail, talked about just the way Bree interacted. There's just certain idiosyncrasies of a child from trauma. And another mom caught it. Mm. And for me, I told Fred, I just felt like I was understood. I felt like someone knew. Mm -hmm. Because I'll get people that say to me, well, my kid does that too. And I'm like, yes, but your kid does it because they're a normal young adult finding their way. My kid does Mm. it out of trauma. And so we have to heal it. We Mm -hmm. can't, you know, we have to go back and heal it. And so, uh, we want to hear where people are at in our church. Um, we want to know who's fostering and who's adopted. We don't, I don't think we know. Mm. That's good. And so people can meet to your illustration there, to your example, people can, um, maybe meet and make some friends with folks right. who are in a similar place who feel a similar calling right. to practically right. uh, adopt or foster children. And so that uh, could be some, a tremendous uh, network of uh, support where right. folks can, uh, can make friends along those lines, make connections. Right. Well, that's, that's really good. Yeah. So is the website kind of the best place to get in contact yes. for that? Yes. Okay. So on gracechurchfrisco.org, go to the church life tab Go down and you can click on ministries and underneath that you will find uh, the tab to go to the adoption and foster. You're doing it even as we speak. I know. Yeah, I I was was doing some, this is some just hands-on research going on right here in front of us. This is very scientific podcast as well as biblical. So, um, cool. Well, uh, are there any other, any other like thoughts, anything, Diane, that before we finish up that you think, you know, might be helpful for people to hear? I think I would just say if you're leaning towards adoption and you're afraid, I would say that's really normal. Mm. It radically changed our lives. Mm-hmm. It is the hardest thing we have ever done. And it has, it shook us in ways we never thought we'd be shaken. Mm. Yet I can say, I know God so much better. Oh, wow. I have such faith for my girl. Mm. I just see God working in her. And like we say a lot of times, she may always walk with a limp. But man, she, God's doing amazing things. And just when she at times unfolds a bit of her story and I hear it, I just think, number one, how is she still alive? Mm. And number two, how could she be so normal? Mm. Mm. How, how 
I mean, it's a miracle of God. So you're going to be afraid. It's life-changing. But I don't know. Now I just think, would we have felt like life was stagnant had we not done this? What would we be doing with our time? Mm. I don't. Mm. I mean, maybe we'd find something else to do, but maybe not. Maybe we'd be sitting home watching TV, becoming two old people. <laughs> uh, but I would just say, if God's leaning you that way, don't be held back by the fear. Yeah. And the other thing is, we, when we adopt, we snatch children out of Satan's hands. Mm. He, these kids, when they don't find a home, they're going to be on the street. They're going to be trafficked. I mean, that is the reality. Wow. Most people trafficked were kids in foster care. Mm. Oh. So you come up against an opposition that I just have never known before. And yet we have Jesus Christ on our side. He's yeah, the power of all right. of it. He mm. can break any so chain of darkness. And so the enemy would love for us to be fearful to adopt a child, especially a child from foster care. And I would mm. say just the opposite. Like, let's be the church mm-hmm. and let's yeah. give a home to these children. Yeah. Mm. That's Excellent. really great. Well, Diane, thanks for sharing your story sure. with yeah. us and being uh, honest and vulnerable about the difficulties of it all. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I, I'm so excited. I thought uh, the Sunday service on Orphan Sunday was just a great uh, it, it, was, it was the Lord. I thought really spoke to us in so many yeah. ways. Uh, obviously, Jason Weber's sermon was uh, really excellent, very yeah, uh, motivating, encouraging, and uh, Diane's updates at the end were excellent as well. Um, so, it, thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for the you're difference welcome. it's making in our church. And thank you, Grace Church. This podcast is for Grace Church. I don't know if anybody outside the church listens. It's geared towards our church, but. Um, Thank you for just being responsive uh, to the Lord's heart of mercy and um, and willingly. Anytime we've done something, uh, though Diane's saying there's opportunity for growth and more man and woman power, you know, people jumping in. But uh, folks have jumped in. Yeah. And so it's so wonderful to see that mm. the church, this, this hasn't been, a, this is not an uphill battle on this one. Let's get everybody uh, let's convince everybody and let's right, do a bunch of people right, are yeah, leaning yeah. in. So I just thank the church yeah. for this as yeah. well, just the way you guys have been responsive to the Lord. And uh, and thanks for being on the podcast. Sure. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. It was really great. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, I know you're not all the way through that book by Tim Keller, but yeah. is that is that a book that maybe so far you've read, the, the Generous Justice, is that so far you've been in it, you might recommend for people who are maybe wanting to hear more of the heart of God for orphans? and, and There's not much on there in there about orphans uh, as a as is spe- that I've read so far specifically. Come uh, on, so, so it's a little broader. Uh, it's a little broader uh, talking about the poor, okay. uh, the needy, the oppressed, different cat. Which orphans would be under the, yeah. some of those categories? So, okay. uh, but maybe that's a uh, book review for a future future yeah, podcast. I'm halfway through. I never quote from books. I have you know rarely that I can't recommend. But so far uh, I've read half and I, I, I'm enjoying it. So we'll talk some more about it. Maybe All right, on a yeah, future yeah. podcast. Okay, sounds good. Well, I don't think. I have anything else. Do you have anything else for us? I don't. No, All right. Thanks. Diane, thank you so much. Craig, thank you You're for welcome. your time. And uh, thank you for listening. Just as a reminder on our normal Sunday morning services, uh, you know, we want to hear from you guys if you have questions related to the sermon. So feel free to text in at 469-573-2920 and we'll see what we can do to answer those questions for you here. And we'll see you guys next Sunday. Bye-bye.